Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. You may be seated. Open your Bible to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. If you are interested in following along on my notes today, you can go to the Bible app under the live events section and click Faith Christian Center, the bucket list, part four. John chapter 15. And then we'll go back to John chapter four. We've been in and out of John 15 all summer. This is probably the week 10 or week 11 that I've referenced it in a message on a Sunday. John 15, verse 4. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. One of the things we said all this summer is that God doesn't cut people off. People cut themselves off from God. That in the vine and the branch parable Jesus used, there is a flow that comes from the vine to the branches. But if you cut yourself off from the vine, you won't receive the flow. And if a branch is cut off from the vine, it will wither and it will look like the rest of the world. The vine withers because it's dehydrated, it is no flow. What you saw today in this skit is an example of a dehydrated family. They are saved, they go to church, yet they are dehydrated. Go to John 4. We're going to close our bucket list series today. And if you haven't been here, I encourage you to download it from online or the podcast. John chapter 4. In the first week, we looked at this woman at the well. We understood why she was there at noon. Jesus has a conversation with her and says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him, he would have given you living water. So Jesus said, if you knew two things, the gift and the who. The gift is the living, flowing, rushing water given by Jesus. The who is Jesus, the source of the living water. The woman responds, says, sir, you have nothing to draw with. In other words, you don't have a bucket. Where are you going to get your water from? Jesus says in verse 13, whosoever drinks of the water, this water in this well, shall thirst again. But whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him or shall become in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The word thirst here means to suffer from thirst. So every believer is given by Jesus once they are born again living water by the Holy Spirit who's in them. But the thing is you can still die from thirst. You can still be dehydrated. Because I can have this cup of water and hold it for the rest of my life. And still die of thirst. It does me no good until I take a sip. So many believers are dehydrated and dying of thirst because they don't take a sip of the living water God has put on the inside of them. 
And if the believer is dying of thirst, then so are their families. Go to John chapter 7. As you turn there, after Jesus speaks to this woman, this woman believes, and then she, it says she leaves her bucket behind and goes to tell the city of this Jesus she found. Now, that verse 28 is, doesn't seem that important until you realize that this woman became the bucket. Jesus had put living water in her, so she went to go share it. The whole point about this living water's example is that not only does God want to pour into us, he expects us to pour into others. Not only will God pour into us, but he expects us to pour into our family members. Go to John 7. Verse 37. And the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So notice, what you have starts as living water, then he, God wants it to grow to a spring, and then to rivers of living water. So we've looked all through this month on how it progresses and what we're supposed to do to partake of it and how we can give it out. But today we're going to focus on how to pour this living water into our families. Say no more dehydrated families. So based on this verse, we said if you believe, what you have will increase. From the water Jesus gives, it grows to a spring, and then it should increase until there are rivers of living water. We said in the continual coming to Jesus and walking with him, which means by spending time in prayer, reading the word, praise and worship every day, by following what God tells us to do and talking with him throughout the day, Jesus continually pours into us and we become a river of living water. Just like Jesus pours into us, we have the responsibility to pour into others. One of the ways God will meet others' needs is through his people pouring into them. A lot of times we expect God to do something just from heaven. God, if you really want it to happen, come down from heaven and do it. He already came down from heaven. And now he lives in you. So if God wants to get something done in your family, get something done in your community, he's going to do it through you. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, God wants to do it through you. One of the ways God will meet your family's needs is through the different members of the family, allowing God to use them to pour into each other. Go to Proverbs 11, verse 25. Proverbs 11, verse 25. Proverbs 11, verse 25. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. It says, the liberal soul, or the soul of blessing, as it says in Hebrew, shall be made fat or shall be enlarged. He that waters shall be watered also himself. Another translation, he that refreshes with a cup of water shall re receive a cup of water himself. We have the responsibility of pouring into others and pouring into our family. But families can't pour into each other if they are empty. I can stay over your cup all day long and pour going, what's wrong? But if I never put something in here, I can't pour out anything. And so if you don't make it a priority for your family to come to church, family, everybody. Well, they're teenagers. They don't want to come. I thought you were the parent, but that's another message. 
You pour in so they can pour out during the week. We all have to do this together. Because if we don't, our families will be dehydrated and look just like the rest of the world. And your kids will grow up seeing Jesus at church but not in the home and they won't serve him when they're adults. You want to know why so many millennials don't follow Jesus the way the parents want them to? It's because of what they saw at home. You have to live it at home. The greatest message your kids will ever hear about Jesus doesn't come from me, Minister Reggie, or Minister Newman. It will come from how you live at home because that's how they'll determine is Jesus real or is he a joke. Or they'll be, develop this theology, yes, God moves at church, but he can't move in my house. Or he can't move in the real world, so God is just for church. We have to be consistent. And we represent Jesus to our family. And you have to believe that if I pour out, God will pour back into me. So you can't have the mindset, well, what about me? What if I keep pouring out and I end up empty? That means you don't believe in God. Jesus, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. That's not just a financial scripture. That is a universal law of the kingdom. Whatever you give is coming back. And so if you pour into others, it will come back to you. God will cause people at the right time to speak to you exactly what you need. We overlook these small things and don't realize it is the kindness of God that you are at a point where you just needed encouragement and all of a sudden someone said, oh, you look nice today. Oh, this or that. And it encouraged you and helped you go throughout the day. And you think, oh, that was chance. Oh, that was the universe. No, that was the kindness of God. That you found that scripture at the right time. You were on social media and the right post spoke to you. You happened to flip the channel and heard a message that encouraged you. That is the kindness of God. And that comes to people who keep pouring out. But then spend time with God so God can pour back in. Parents, you know that if you're going to do everything throughout the day, you have to wake up earlier than everybody else. If you're actually going to pray, you got to get up earlier before the first person says mommy or daddy. If you really want to pour into not just your family, but your workplace or wherever you go, you have to take time at the beginning of the day and get before Jesus. You have to be real enough to say, Jesus, it's going to be a mess if you don't help me today. I need you. Pour into me. I turn to you like, for Jesus, it is going to be a mess. They're going to see me on the news if you don't come in my prayer closet right now. Don't fake when you come into the presence of God because he already knows you. Don't pretend. You just say, look, Jesus. As Brother Jesus, come here, Jesus. Come here. Come here. Come here for a second and receive what you need and turn to him throughout the day. If you're in a habit of turning through Jesus throughout the day, you won't be in a habit of losing your cool. Because you keep focused on Jesus, then you're not going to say things you don't want Jesus to hear you say. Because now you're conscious that he's with you. See, you feel okay cussing people out if you don't think Jesus is standing right there. But if you're walking in awareness of his presence, you're going to watch your mouth. And he's going to give you the strength to do what you need to do and walk in love. See, you have to walk in love to your family members more than you do people outside. Because some of you have a mentality that you see people outside, oh, they're just having a bad day. 
but you don't afford that same responsibility to your kids or to your spouse, to your family members. Oh, they should know better. Well, you should too. But we have to show mercy and grace and kindness on a consistent basis. Think about it this way. What if God got onto you like you get onto others? What if God responded to you the same way you respond to others? We need to mirror Jesus in our family and in our community. So many families suffer from dehydration because they do not pour into each other. And as we saw in today's skit, that represented a dehydrated family. So go to Psalm 112. Say, no more dehydrated families. Psalm 112, verse 1. Psalm 112. Every man should make it their goal to be a Psalm 112 man. Every man should make it their goal to be a Psalm 112 man. Notice what it says about him in the first few verses of this psalm. Praise you the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. The Psalm 112 man is righteous, yet is still rich. You can have money and not compromise. Don't think in here that you have to compromise in order to be wealthy. God has a way where you can prosper and still keep your integrity. Because think about it this way, teenagers and people in corporate America. Whatever you compromise to keep, you eventually lose. Whatever you bow down to on the way to the top will rule you when you get to the top. That doesn't disappear. That always has a way of coming back. Whatever you compromise to keep, you will eventually lose. Here's like, what do you mean by compromise? When God tells you to do one thing, but you think your life will be better if you do it your way or Satan's way, and you'll think no one will ever find out, it will eventually be found out. And if you start doing those things on a consistent basis, it'll be a habit that's hard for you to shake when you get older. That's why, parents, we have to teach our kids self-control when it's just cookies in the cookie jar. Because if we don't, there'll be issues with self-control later down the line. And for the sake of younger ears, y'all get what I'm talking about. Unto the upright there rises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man shows favor and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Notice how the Psalm 112 man is referred to as his seed. The Psalm 112 father pours into his children like a farmer with water crops. Dad, you have to be conscious that you need to pour into your children on a consistent basis. You have to minister to them as the head of your house. Go to Proverbs 31. Say, no more dehydrated families. Proverbs 31, verse 10. It says, who can find a virtuous woman for a price is far above rubies? So what you're about to read over this next 20 verses is the ideal every woman should aim for. Just like every man should strive to be a Psalm 112 man, every woman should strive to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Starting with verse 26, it says, she opens her mouth with wisdom 
and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looks well to the ways of her household and eats not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband does the same, and he praises her. Here's what they say when they praise her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but you excel them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give to her the fruit of her hands. Let her own works praise her in the gates. So through the wisdom and kindness in the Proverbs 31 woman's speech and her actions, she pours into her family. Her family pours back into her by their words and their actions of thankfulness. Her family pours back into her by their words and their actions of thankfulness. So number one way to pour into your family, whether your father, mother, child, wherever you are, grandparent, grandchild, express words of encouragement, thankfulness, and kindness. Express words of encouragement, thankfulness, and kindness. On a regular basis, not just Mother's Day, Father's Day, birthdays, anniversaries. Spouses, on a regular basis, you have to share with your spouse words of encouragement, thankfulness, and kindness. Parents, you need to even tell your kids words of encouragement, thankfulness, and kindness. So, well, they should clean their room. Yes, they should, but thank them for cleaning it. Well, yeah, they should get good, good, good grades, but they're going to keep getting them if you keep encouraging them. So I expect, yes, God expects us to do things, but he still encourages us on the way. Kids, thank your parents. You will never fully understand everything your parents go through until you got kids. And then you'll begin to have a brief realization. And then you'll wish you were a kid again. So while you have the best time of your life, Make sure you say thank you all the time. Because what you're doing now, you're sowing seeds for how your kids are going to act. So if you hear your parents say, ooh, I hope you have a child just like you, that's usually not a compliment. <laughs> Change course of actions correctly. Sow some new seeds. Every member of the family has to express to each other words of encouragement, thankfulness, and kindness. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll start with verse 1. So ways to pour into our family, number one, is words of encouragement, thankfulness, and kindness. Say no more dehydrated families. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Notice what it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Kids, another way you can pour into your parents is do what they say. Don't stress them out. Don't make their hair fall out or turn gray. Don't make your mom buy a new weed because you pulled out the hair because of your bad attitude. <laughs> pour into your parents by obeying. Parents, make it easy for your kids by not only saying the right thing, but doing the right thing. Amen. Don't just say, do what I say, but not as I do. No, make it easy for them. Do and say. 
Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Because if you want to live a long time and live a good life, the Bible says you need to show honor to your parents. That word honor means to esteem or to value as precious. So whatever you can think of is what you like the most, whether it's a game system, whether it's a toy, whether it's an outfit, whatever to you is the most valuable, treat your parents like you would treat that. Not just today, but forever. One of the things we have to understand, one of the things it says in Psalms, that God puts the lonely in families. That you're in your family for a reason. Kids, you're in your house for a reason. Parents, you are their parents for a reason. And the thing is, how you raise them is important. Because God put Joseph and Jacob's family to save the family. God may place a kid in your house for your salvation later down the road. And how you raise them will determine how effective they are in their mission. The Psalms also compares kids as arrows. So what you're doing as you train them, you're pointing them in the direction God has for them and helping them launch out as arrows of light that will destroy the darkness. It says in verse 4, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The Amplified Classic Edition says, Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. The message version says, fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. So, so fathers, you pour into your children by tenderly, which means with gentleness, kindness, and affection, taking them by the hand and showing them how to live for Jesus. Dad, you have to show affection to your kids. It's usually easy for dads to show their daughters affection, but you need to show your sons affection. Because if you don't, they will lack in their lives, and they'll try to make it up a different way as they grow older. You must show affection to your kids. You must be gentle towards your kids in your training. The example is take them by the hand and show them where to go. That means you got to be living it. Amen. That means you have to know where to go. That means you need to come to church. So dads, you have to be the first one ready for church. Because if you're the first one ready at church, they'll all fall in line. God bless spiritual mamas. And they've done a great job. But it's your job to leave the house. It's your job to be the one who prays the most, to read the word the most. Because husbands, if your wife knows you can hear from God, they'll have no trouble following you. Because if you got a godly woman, she can follow you if she knows you can hear from God. But the thing is, she may have trouble following you if she knows you don't pray or you don't go to church. And if you just say, well, I'm spiritual, well, demons are spirits too. We need to be specific. That's why single people don't try to marry someone thinking you can change them. Because you can't. Because if Jesus hasn't changed them yet, what makes you think you will? 
Take your time. It's better to wait than to marry crazy. Take your time, especially if you're single with kids. Don't bring crazy in your house. You don't know who they are or what they do. If you are single with kids, you need to take extra time in the dating process before they even meet your kids. Don't keep bringing them in the house, oh, there's a so-and-so, and it keeps an open door. Don't do that. Take extra time before you even introduce them. And then when you think you're ready, come to church and talk to some of the ministers. This is why we are here. Because when we do blended family counseling, you don't just meet with me, you meet with the youth pastor or the children minister. So we all work on this together. Because it takes work to make a family work. And we all have to be in it together. James 5.16 says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So number two, you can pour into each other by praying for each other and by praying together as a family. You can pour into each other by praying for each other and by praying together as a family. So kids and teens, let me help you out for a second. Now parents... Your kids face things similar to what you face, but it's not the same. Don't say, well, I went through this too. No, you didn't. Here's I can prove it. There are more antichrist spirits fighting them than you ever fought as a child. They face more demons every day than you did 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. So you can't say, well, I went through the same thing. Yes, you may have fought some things, but what is put in their face is worse than what you saw. They face some things now you don't even know about that you get shocked on when you see on the news and the kid walks in, oh, yeah, that happened to school five days ago. So don't say to them, well, I went through the same thing. No, you may have went through something similar. But you need to pray for your kids every day. You need to plead the blood of Jesus over them every single day. Before they leave the house, I plead the blood. Sister Billy Brim would talk about how she would plead the blood over her kids before they left the house, especially when they start driving as teenagers. She would go to the car, I plead the blood over you, bumper to bumper, side to side, you'll hit no one and no one will hit you. And she did it every single day. But there's one day she happened to forget, and her teenage son, who always would roll his eyes when she would do it, was about to drive off, and she didn't do it. He ran back into his house with his friends, and she's like, he was like, what type of mama are you? You didn't plead the blood over me today. You need to stand in prayer for your kids. Doesn't matter if they're in a public school or a Christian school, because crazy is in both. And you have to pray. You have to cover them in prayer and speak the word over them and plead the blood over them. You have to be serious in your prayer life for your children. You have to be serious in your prayer life for your spouse. You have a divine responsibility to pray for your house. Kids, you need to pray for your parents. It's like, oh, my parents are crazy. You may be the one who made them that way. (laughs) So it doesn't matter if you are just little and you only know how to say, God help mommy, God help daddy. That's a start. And pray for each other every single day as individuals, but then also pray together as a family. 
Because see, the thing is, you want to encourage your kids to pray as individuals so they can develop their own personal relationship with God. Not just praying together as a family. Both need to happen. And if you do both, you will pour into each other. Say, no more dehydrated families. Titus 2, verse 4, it tells the older woman to teach the young woman to be sober and to love their husbands and to love their children. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 25. Ephesians 5, verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So husbands and dads, we have the divine responsibility to love our families like Jesus loves us. It should be your daily confession like it is mine. One of the things I do is I acknowledge the love God has for me. Father, I thank you that you love me. You love me with all that you are. You love me with all that you have. I believe the love you have towards me, and I receive your love that's poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit of love who's been given unto me. Now, I don't want to just be a recipient of your love today. I want to be a conduit. So I love you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I love my neighbor as I love myself. And I love my neighbor as Jesus has commanded me to, to love him just like he does. And so then I make it personal. I love my wife as Jesus loves me. I love my daughter as Jesus loves me. I love my family as Jesus loves me. I love my church as Jesus loves me. I love my friends as Jesus loves me. While I'm going down and I'm telling myself what I will do this day. I will love people the way Jesus loves me. Now there may be days that are more stressful than others and you have to remind yourself what you said in the morning. And you just might have to say under your breath, I love them as Jesus loves me. I love them as Jesus loves me. Nope, I'm not going to cuss them out. I'm going to stay on the wheel like Pastor said last week. I'm not going to be petty because there's no power in my pettiness. I'm going to love them as Jesus loves me. So husbands, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes, cherishes, even as the Lord, the church. So we see the command is both ways. Husbands love your wives. Wives love your husband. Parents love your children. So number three, pour into each other by loving each other the way you need to be loved. Pour into each other by loving each other the way they need to be loved. We have a habit of showing love to other people the way we want to receive it. But what if that's not the way that person perceives love? That means you have to learn what is their definition of love. Married couples, it may have started one way in your early years, but how many know we're all changing? We're all growing. A lot of people say, I fell out of love with that person. No, you didn't. You're still trying to love a person that you married 20 years ago that doesn't exist today. You have to love that person for where they are now. Hopefully, they progressed. But how many know in life, people can go in multiple directions? But you have to love them for where they are now. And spouse, help your spouse out. If something changes, update them. If you don't like something anymore, let them know. You could have liked one meal. <laughs> I'm not bothering the youth pastor today. <laughs> so you could have liked a meal for five years, but something changed, you don't like it anymore. But they think it's your favorite meal. So they cook it for the next 20 years, and it comes out in a casual conversation, oh, yeah, I hate that meal. What do you mean you hate that meal? I've been cooking it for 25 years. Something changed. 
let them know. Because you want to love each other the way you need to be loved. And so one of the things I put in the notes today, if you download our notes from the Bible app, links to the five love languages for children, the five love languages for teens, the five love languages of singles, and the five love languages for couples. If you click that link, it'll take you to the profile so you can see what is your love language. Because the thing is, your kids have love languages that you need to figure out what it is. So that you can love them the way they need to be loved. And so as a test, your kids can take, your teens can take it, only take a few minutes. So you know, because a lot of people think, well, if I cook a fabulous meal, then that shows them that I love them. They may look at the fabulous meal and say, oh, this is great, pass the hot sauce. So them, it's like, oh, they made a meal. But if you told them, hey, you're doing a good job. I see how hard you're working. You know, math was really hard for you this year, but you brought that grade up. I am so proud of you. That meant more to them than the five hours you spent in the kitchen. Some of them is a little gift. Parents, you may travel for work, but you know on the way back, let me pick them up something. And it doesn't even have to be expensive, but because you thought about them and brought them something, that spoke to them. That's a love language. Quality time is a love language. You may not understand the video games they play. You may not get it whatsoever. But the fact that you sat down and played with them meant the world to them. The fact that you hugged your kids means the world to them. You have to find out what is the love language for your child or your teenager and meet that need. You need to find out what is the love language for your spouse if you're married and meet that need. And as individuals, you need to find out what your love language is. So you can't say, oh, nobody loves me. Well, maybe nobody knows how to love you. <laughs> or maybe you're just weird and you need to fix some things first. <laughs> but the only way, because it says you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you got to love yourself first. People take out things on their families because they don't like themselves. And some people are so scared of doing what their parents did, they live in fear. And then you do the same thing. And then you're so mad at yourself, you take it out on everybody else. It's fear. We looked at it last week. Like Job, it opens the door. What gets rid of fear? Matured, grown-up love. Making a commitment to love others as Jesus loves you. By thinking all day long, saying all day long how much God loves you. It will despair Dispel, flush out the fear. Everything is by love. Why? God is love. And we have the responsibility of mirroring his love in our family. So number one, give words of thankfulness, encouragement, appreciation. Pour in those specific ways. Pray for each other. Take time to pray together. And then love each other the way each other needs to be loved. That's how we won't have any dehydrated families. Because that's how God can pour into us and we can pour into each other. So we can have successful, flourishing families. One of our purposes here at Faith Christian Center, one of our missions here at Faith Christian Center, is to develop strong families by the teaching of the Word of God. And that is what we're going to have. Strong families. So say it with me one more time. No more dehydrated families. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Glory to 
God. So what we're going to do is act on the word. When the word is given, you act on it. And so parents, if you have your kids with you, I want you to turn to them and pray the blessing over them. Where does that come from? You see all through the Old Testament, and Jews still do it to this day. They speak the blessing over their children once a week. No, you stay there. I'll come to you. My dad, my mom and dad are here today. They're celebrating 35 years of marriage tomorrow. Speak the blessing over them. Imagine not just your words of affirmation have power, but these kids grew up hearing their parents speak something good about them. Speak the blessing over them, and it was backed by the power of God. So before we go into the school year, we want to take time, parents. I want you to speak the blessing over your kids, pray over your kids. And then afterwards, we're going to have an altar call. And then we're going to pray for over every single student going back to school, every single teacher or administrator going back to school. We're going to plead the blood of Jesus over you and speak the blessing. And you will have a successful year. You will be safe and you will thrive. Amen. So if you have your families here together, gather together, pray together as a family and speak the blessing. Now, as you finish, you may see some individuals whose family is not with them today, but we are a faith family. We're not just a church, we are a family. So I want you to go gather around them and pray and speak God's blessing over their life. Pray for them as an individual that whatever God has for them comes to pass and show them the love of Christ. Amen. Amen. Or every head bow, every eye closed in prayer. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.